We have every opportunity in you know this day and age. I mean, everyone has a platform. Whether you want to have a YouTube page, Instagram page, Facebook page, there's a platform for you to get your voice out. Even if it's just local, it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. online. There's ways you can make it known what you do. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is Aaron LeBauer. Today, my guest is Adam McCluskey from the PT Initiative. Adam is a, I would say, a younger physical therapist. He started uh, hot out the gate out of PT school. And he's doing some great things on social media, reaching people directly, helping them without touching them, et cetera. So I wanted to have Adam on the show. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. I want to get a little bit of background info. I like to introduce listeners to the guests, you know, so can you give us like the five minute rundown of, you know, what are you doing? Like, and, and who are you helping right now? Yeah, so I am a uh, physical therapist based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so I have a uh, in-person clinic here in Raleigh that I treat a lot of just my kind of target demographic is just active people. So I don't, you know, it's not just like high level athletes or any specific sport, but um, if you have movement goals, you're, you're wanting to be active, you know, it's be tennis, running, cycling, you know, weightlifting, CrossFit, anything like that or your goal is to be more active and be able to move pain-free, then we will have a lot to work with. So that's kind of um, the people I work with. Just everyone's pretty motivated and has goals of specifics they want to get back to. So that's who I see. And I see uh, people in person and I do a lot of remote work too. So I do a lot of work on social media. So mainly Instagram is kind of the main platform that I'm involved on. Mm -hmm. And so I provide some, uh, a lot of free content on there. And then I have uh, programs on my website. And then I do a lot of uh, remote kind of one-on-one -on -one telehealth, if you will, kind of work with people. So that ranges from performance coaching to actual rehab too. So I do a right. lot of kind of remote work. And that was even before, before all the COVID-19 stuff. So right. um, we, can, we can dive into that more later. But yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. that's kind of what my days look like. Yeah, awesome. And how long ago did you um, graduate school? And did you, you went to undergrad here in Greensboro, I think, right? Or I did, I, yes. Yeah. You went to yep, UNC I went to right? undergrad at UNC Greensboro. And um, then there was about a four-year gap between undergrad and when I went to get my DPT. Mm -hmm. And so I did my uh, doctorate out in California. So I went to Chapman University uh, in Irvine, California. Okay, awesome. What, uh, like, what inspired you to go to PT school? Like, what was the four-year gap? Yeah, so I it was always kind of on the radar, but it was one of those things where once you once you take that plunge, I mean, you're you're doing the the GRE, then you're mm -hmm. applying, and it's a financial commitment to apply, and you know, another three years, you know, it's like there's a there's a lot of upfront. Like you, I just wanted to be sure 100 this was the path I wanted to go. Yeah. At that point, I was doing some coaching and um, like fitness training and things like that, and. I was like, I, I like working with people. I'm already working with active people, you know, through personal training. I want to kind of run this out and kind of see where it goes. And so I did a lot of personal training, coaching, that sort of thing for a couple years until I just got to a point where a lot of people I was working with, I, there were people that had kind of, if they had injuries, that's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the people that had the nagging injuries or, or anything like that. And they were like, oh, I can't do this or that. Those are the people I was always kind of drawn to working with instead of more just the 
you know, I want to come in for a 30 minute, like fat burning circuit. You know, I was, I was kind of always finding those people that no one else wanted because we had to problem solve everything. And I was like, this is getting real similar to what a PT does. I'm wanting to like fix the problem instead of just say, uh, you know, what are we working around? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the light bulb moment. I was like, all right, I think that's kind of, you know, a sign that that is where I want to go. And so I'm honestly super glad that I, I did that. I think that background in training and coaching has, has paid dividends, mixing and blending that with what I learned in physical therapy school has kind of created a, a pretty good, um, you know, a unique perspective, I think. I know there's yeah. a lot of people that have had fitness backgrounds, but I think it provided a unique perspective for me to kind of interpret and digest that information from physical therapy school and then kind of apply it to who I'm working with today. So yeah, that's kind of the reason for the gap. Yeah. Right on. That's cool. Well, I had a big gap. I had like a 10 year gap. <laughs> there we go. When you said to go to PT school, you had all your prerequisites and everything. It was just made basically a decision or was there like a difference? Because I want to say this because when I was in California, I thought about going, but I couldn't, it was going to take me two years of extra coursework to apply, you know? Yeah. So luckily I did uh, sports or exercise science was kind of my uh, sports medicine concentration mm -hmm. was my undergrad degree. And so I had pretty much all those core courses. There were a few, there were two classes I went back and just kind of, I retook again just to get I think I had like a B in them and I wanted to have an A yeah. just to, cause I'm, I was just like, I only want to do the application once, you know? Right. So I, I took, retook two classes just to make sure I had the highest grade possible. And then I took the GRE. So, you know, overall, I think it took, I think it took those classes in a fall semester and then took the GRE later. So it was about, you know, a six month kind of prep period, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Right on. Did you have a PT experience yourself? And that's why you kind of knew that was your path? Or was it more of like just from fitness training stuff, you knew I got to get the next level? Yeah, it wasn't. I know a lot of other PTs like, you know, tore my ACL or, you know, broke a bone or this. And that really wasn't my experience. I've always just been active and I guess just kind of doing mm -hmm. some self-reflection and like kind of having experience, you know, working with other PTs and kind of seeing what they do and just kind of being exposed to it and then kind of reflecting on the type of work I would want to do. It just seemed to be a good fit. And so, you know, the further I went down the training route, I think that just kind of confirmed it a little bit more. Yeah, right on. Awesome. You Talking about your experience with as, as a trainer, why do you think people gravitate to trainers and even trainers gravitate towards the edge of fixing people. Like, like, where do you like, is like, I see it as a, as a gap from physical therapy. Where do you feel like that comes from now that you're on the side of physical therapy? Do you know what I'm asking? It's like, cause people, I, I hear a lot of trainers that are like, well, I can fix that. Whether they stretch it or roll on something or they try to correct the problem rather than saying, Hey, look, you need to go see my buddy, Dr. Bauer, Dr. McCluskey. They'll, they'll take care of you and I'll keep training. You know, like that doesn't happen as much as it should, right? Yes, I agree. I think, yeah, I think honestly, I think there's a couple answers. So I think on the physical therapist side, I, it's, you know, in general, like we have a pretty a generalized profession. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, you look at the boards, that's, you know, you're answering acute care questions and orthopedic and neuro. It's a very broad kind of base of, you know, what we have to know as physical therapists. So we're kind of a more of a generalist in most cases when you come out of school, right. unless you've taken other steps for that. And so sometimes there can be some confusion on, you know, what, what does the physical therapist do? Like, do they work, you know, if, if they're seeing a personal trainer, usually they're more active and maybe they don't know any physical therapists that are kind of have a reputation of working with athletes. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they just, all their experience with physical therapy is, 
working with, you know, 75 plus doing some light, you know, resistance bands and some basic stretches. And maybe that's These the only experience. Say, uh, oh yeah. 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 Those are classic. Yeah. Everybody gets them. If you've got a shoulder, shoulder injury, you get those. <laughs> um, so, and maybe that's the only experience they've had. And so they're just kind of, it's one of those things where I'm not going to send this person who's paying me, you yeah. know, like this is a source of income for me. I'm not going to send them off to somebody and I don't really know that they're even going to help them and risk of not seeing them again. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one side. It's a little bit of ambiguity on can a physical therapist help my client and, and what do they even do? Right. Um, and then I think there's a little bit of, and, and, and I always kind of like to, I don't want to put it on other professions. Like I always kind of, am, I fall on the side of what, what can we do better mm-hmm. to bridge that gap instead of saying, Hey, you guys should do this. And so I, you know, I think we could do a better job of, of communicating and, you know, reaching out to other personal trainers and fitness professionals. And like, this is what we do. This is how we can help. This is where, this is kind of where I'm, I'm at and this is where you are. And if we partner together, it's actually a, a great fit for the client overall. And so, but you know, as we both know, territory wars are a real thing and, and people kind of have a little bit of a scarcity mindset of if mm-hmm. I send someone to someone else, I may never see him again. Right. And, uh, so I think there's a little bit of that. Um, that's kind of my two, my two sides of it, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's good. I think, I mean, I had a similar experience with massage therapy because I was doing that first and it's, and it's very similar. And I, I think that as physical therapists, our professions kind of drop the ball and I, it's not one person's fault. You know, it's because, I, I like the point that you made that we are more of a generalist profession and people sometimes think they need the physical therapy. I'm like, <laughs> the physical therapy, right? But it's, if we can define better and educate better, then we can bridge that gap, right? Exactly, yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's on us. I think we have, we have every opportunity in you know, this day and age. I mean, everyone has a platform, whether you want to have a YouTube page, Instagram page, Facebook page. There's a platform for you to get your voice out. Even if it's just local, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. online. There's ways you can make it known what you do. And so, you know, I think we should kind of take it on ourselves a little bit to, you know, if we're complaining that we don't see the type of people that we want to work with or people don't understand what we do, well, I'm, let's, let's start, what are some real ways we can get, get the word out about what we do and, and how will people know, you know, instead of just kind of griping about it and, and wishing it would change, there's, right. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of options, whether it's internet or local marketing to kind of let people know, look, this is what we do and we can really, really help. Awesome. Like if, if you're talking to a trainer uh, locally, how would you explain to them what you do as a physical therapist and, you know, movement specialist, you know? Yeah. So, and I, I usually kind of start off just, I think the biggest thing is, is looking at our, our background. So, you know, as far as I'm, you know, things with, you know, periodization and training and programming, yes, I can do those things, but that's, you know, that's what they do, you know, every single day. And, you know, working on building programs for, for fat loss and kind of, you know, given consultation on lifestyle advice and things like that, all which we can do, but kind of my, my specialty is with, you know, pathology. So if you have, you know, movement issues or, or old injuries and, and kind of understanding the pathoanatomy of things, biomechanics, that sort of thing. And so that's kind of my specialty of, of if that person, if we can work together to make sure their movement patterns are right, if they've got an old injury or a contraindication of just kind of, I can kind of help in saying, okay, this is some things that we might want to avoid. These are some good alternatives. I'm just kind of coming from that point of expertise and not saying, 
you know, I'm just going to take over. I know more about everything than you do. And which is, you know, not true. There's just a, a sector of, you know, those types of pathologies that we have a good, that's, that's our training. That's why we went to get a doctorate degree, you know, for three years after undergrad to learn about. And so I think, you know, if we can kind of help provide some insight, if, you know, they had a, a, you know, a rotator cuff injury or an old, an old, you know, surgery or something, and it seems to bug them, we can kind of give some advice on that. And so that's kind of where I would come in and say, you know, here's some ideas for, for working around those things. I can, if you feel like you're, you're not sure where to proceed with these, you know, I can see them for a few sessions and make sure they feel good and comfortable about knowing how to work with, you know, their specific injury. And then Mm -hmm. we can communicate back and forth just so we're all on the same page. That way the client feels good about the exercises they're doing. You know, I think just the more the client can know that the trainer and the PT are communicating for their best interest, I think everyone wins there. So that's kind of the the approach I usually come with it. Yeah, that's awesome. And what, uh, what are the most common, like, I guess the most common injuries or problems people have that you're seeing that they might be working with a trainer, which you, you getting involved has helped them, you know, dramatically in their, you know, in the patient's clients, like fitness goals, et cetera. Like what are the number one, two things that you see? Yeah. And so probably the, the, the top three things that I work with in my clinic are shoulder pain, hip pain, and, and low back pain. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of the two. And I think it just kind of fits with the type of people I see. So just a lot of, you know, whether you're doing a lot of overhead stuff, repetitive motions, lifting, you know, those three areas are, are typically some of the most heavily involved. And so I think the, the biggest thing that, that I usually do with and kind of my collaboration with different coaches in the area is, you know, they're, the coaches will, will send people to me just because they're, they're going through certain exercises and they always seem to have, whether it's a certain type of movement, they're having some pain. And usually the coaches try to, to modify and mm-hmm. kind of change, you know, and say, hey, let's scale it back and try this exercise. And sometimes it's just kind of, um, you know, something got irritated and it's overuse. And if you scale it back, add it back in, it's fine. But usually those cases where something's kind of continuing to nag on, a lot of, a lot of those are kind of uh, shoulder and low back issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of uh, CrossFit coaches in the area, just kind of, you know, there, there's certain like cleans and snatches and, and any kind of muscle ups or anything like that. They're just having very specific type of pain, but they, you know, they can do a lot of other things, but you, know, you get some shoulder pain with specific, you know, movements. That's kind of when they're like, well, I, you know, I'd want you to get this, have, you know, have, have Adam look at it, see what he thinks, give you some exercises that you could, you know, based on an assessment, what you could do to kind of improve that. And so I kind of view myself almost as a little bit of a consultant in that, mm-hmm. in that realm is like, there's an issue and let's go through a full assessment so I can get a full picture of what's going on instead of just throwing, you know, these usually work for shoulders, you know, that doesn't do any yeah. good. So, you know, kind of doing a consulting session of this is what I see and here's a few things to do. And this is what I would stay away from for the next two weeks. And this is what I would kind of replace that with. And mm-hmm. so I think the big thing, especially with CrossFit boxes and other, you know, private training studios, I think a value that I like to kind of present is I want them to stay in your gym. You know, I want that client to continue. They don't, I don't want them to cancel their membership or freeze their, or freeze their account or anything. I want them to keep working out because again, that's our shared goal. Mm-hmm. Physical therapists and personal trainers, get people moving, you know, strip it all down. Having people stay healthy and move is our goal. So and that's kind of a little bit of a value proposition of I'll, I'll give some consultation. They can stay working out. They're not going to go crazy. I'm not going to tell them just don't work out for two weeks, you know, which as we both know is, is common advice that you can get in the <laughs> way, medical community. Way too common. 
is there like one or two, are there one or two assessments or self-assessments or things that you teach other trainers or patients or even people through your Instagram, social media accounts that they can test on themselves to know when they should continue training or when they need to see a PT? Is there like one or two like really like awesome ones that, you know, myself or one of our listeners might just know and it feels too common to even feel special, but that you found, you know, is really helpful for people. Yeah, I think, um, so especially for my, my overhead athletes. So, you know, CrossFit, Olympic weightlifting, anything that, you know, even, you know, baseball players, anything that's a lot of overhead repetition, you know, there's something basic. If someone's having you know, they're trying to do kips in their CrossFit class and they're having some anterior front of the shoulder pain, one of the kind of, I call it like low hanging fruit is, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, we don't need to get into all these special tests, but you can do just a basic lat test where you're lying on your back, knees up, try to keep your back flat on the ground. And can you get your arms overhead where your hands are touching the ground? And if you've got a big gap there with your arms, just kind of, you know, hanging there freely and you can't get your hands back to the ground, it, it's given some indication. There could be other things, but given some indication that you've got some lat mobility issues. And if you're mm-hmm. trying to go into a good, clean, you know, kipping pull-up or get anything overhead for any significant weight, that's going to be one of those things that maybe it doesn't hurt now, but it's one of those things that I would want you to, to look at and start to address before continuing like on. This? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> if you're not, if you're listening and not watching, go watch YouTube. I mean, I don't have full yeah. flexion in my shoulders <laughs> and, and, and I spent, a, spent years racing bikes and I, it yeah. could be partly from that, and I've spent years trying to undo it. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, can yeah. you do that? Pass that test? I don't really. <laughs> yeah, well, and and that's one of those things too that I, you know, just kind of talking about those easy screens is sometimes as as physical therapists we can kind of we want to jump right into the the really really complicated, you know, when sometimes you can just step back and and let's start with the start with the basics, start with the, mm-hmm. the, the low hanging fruit, if you will, like what's there before we, you know, rush into training, you know, infraspinatus at a 45 degree abduction, like before we go that deep, is there something just mobility wise, like lat mobility, like we just talked right. about that we could clean up and make a world of difference. And so I think that's, that, what's you know, the top one for like back pain, more like a hip hinge type of thing or something like that. Yeah. So when I'm looking at, at back pain, obviously that's going to be one of the more, you know, multifactorial complex ones, but mm-hmm. a lot of times I see, you know, I'll exactly what you said. I'll look at a hip hinge. So I'll kind of use a dowel or like a PVC pipe and just kind of put it over the back where they've got those three points of contact at the head, the mid back and the, around the tailbone. And can they go through an actual hip hinge? So a lot of times, whether it's as a result of a back pain or a back injury, you know, sometimes there's just, there's a difficulty kind of disassociating that lumbar spine in the hips. So moving them independently, can you keep that lumbar spine at a relatively neutral angle and bend forward at your hips? And there's an, there's a lot of people that that's just not a possibility for, they don't know how to do that. And so that's one thing I would want to look at. And then kind of looking at someone's squat, sometimes they're trying to, you know, stay forced into some They've been told a certain way to squat, and it may not be a good fit for them based on whether it's their mobility or how they're, how they're designed and shaped. And they're trying to fit their squat into one real narrow toes forward. And then when they get to it, they run out of hip mobility, and it's just all mm-hmm. lumbar flexion and things like that, where you can just kind of change foot position and hip position when in a squat. And you can, and then, 
you know, teach them to kind of how to sequence the squat and go into it can make a huge difference and not feel any of that pain. And so, yeah, like you said, there's, I like kind of those quick results driven type of assessments where you can Mm -hmm. say, this is an area we can work on, you know, let's clean this up and then see where we're at after that. Awesome. Is there, I mean, I know that you didn't learn all that in PT school because, you know, we don't, right? Like it's possible. Was this some of the stuff that you've learned beforehand training or did you go to do specific con ed or is there, you know, anything that you've like you've done or like, is it just you reading stuff? I mean, where'd you learn? I mean, where'd you learn all this? What are the best resources for some other people? Yeah, it was funny. Um, So I was asked, I was actually asked this uh, from a a remote uh, patient, I guess last week. And we kind of went through some things and I was explaining what our findings were and what mm-hmm. tests we went over. And then he, his comment was just kind of like, he started kind of laughing and I was like, you know, what's going on? And he was like, he's like, why, why hasn't any other PT ever like told me these things? Like, why, why aren't they, why aren't we doing those things? And why haven't they told me these things? And, and honestly, at the moment, I was like, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, I mean, I, I just try to like, you know, continue to get better and, and understand movement. I think, I think the thing with um, the, the, the background in training definitely helped. So I think the whole goal with training was to, you know, try to get people to move into different positions and, and kind of own their own movement. And so just having a background in training and moving myself. And a lot of times I just kind of, in my own sessions, I try to find different movements and ways to, to work different muscles and, and movement patterns. And so I kind of use myself as a guinea pig a little bit mm-hmm. and, and try to piece things together. I can't really point you to one specific book or, you know, one course. I think the big thing that I like to do is, is look at principles. So sometimes I get kind of frustrated with the continuing education world because I feel like you, there's a lot of pigeonholes. Like you go to one course, you have to take all 14 and then everything that you ever do with a patient is is with that mind frame, your mindset. Yeah. And then there's other courses where, you know, it's a kind of a different rabbit hole. And so what I like to do is kind of take, what are the main principles of each of those? So, you know, there's some courses that focus on end range joint control. I think that's important. You know, there's others, rib cage positioning and breathing, you know, I, I think that's important, but you know, I don't necessarily want to put myself, give myself a label and put myself all the way down that rabbit hole. But I think the big thing, if I could uh, give any advice, and I don't know if it's clinicians or, or new grad PTs, is just try to understand principles and systems of how the body works. I think that's the biggest base of, of kind of, you know, what would make a big difference. So I think there's this innate kind of desire to have a, a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And by nature, our job is not cookbook. Like it's not follow these four steps to get this result. And I kind of always, uh, when people ask, they'll sit, you know, on Instagram, they'll send me a, an MRI report and they're like, Hey, what do I do? <laughs> right. Here's, here's my MRI report. What exercises should I do? And I was kind of, I always think if it was that easy, you could plug that into Google and we would, we would not have a job, right? You know, if it was a plus B equals C for whatever, you know, a, the variables, then you could, you could, we would be out of a job. And so there's so many other factors. So I, that's why I kind of say, don't try to learn every exercise possible. Look for those principles of movement. So, you know, how does the body interact together? So that's, that's kind of what I would focus on. That's what it's been my goal. Not so much try to get as many certifications as possible, but try to understand the principles of how our body moves as best as possible. Awesome. What are some of the things that you look for? And well, let's go into, I want to talk about how in your clinic, in person, you do exercise-based therapy, but you're also doing manual therapy, right? I do, yes. Yep. 
prior to the coronavirus, would you say like you're doing a little bit, a lot? Like how much of how much of your practice was you know hands on? So that would depend on the person, but I would say most. So on the early sessions, it depends on the injury, but on the early sessions, there may be a little bit more manual. And then as we continue through, that should get less and less. Yeah. And so usually after a couple of visits, there's almost no, no manual. Not mm -hmm. as far as like soft tissue work or joint mobilizations. Maybe there's kind of some, you know, testing in range, like joint position and thing like that. Right. But, you know, never really any more than 20, 25% of, yeah. of a session would be manual. Yeah. And you've been doing like remote coaching, remote sessions for a while, right? And you can't really do manual on that. So how have you been able to be, I just want to know from uh, your perspective, what you're doing, how you're treating patients. Is it being effective over video or even on the phone? Is it more hands-on? Is it more the evaluation, the decision-making process or education or the exercise? Like where do you feel like the the strengths are the things that um, matter the most and you know, like just why do you feel like it's, you're doing okay doing, uh, doing remote coaching, which you clearly are, you know, and, and a lot of people are scared of it. So can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I think, so first of all, I'll say, I think everyone, if you're a, if you're a clinician and practicing it and want to be able to be a practicing clinician, doing a remote session, I think is, is invaluable. I think whether that's what you want to do full time or, or not even part time, but just occasionally, I think it's invaluable to do because I think there's a tendency and I'm, I'm kind of talking to myself, you know, before doing all these things, there's a tendency to have, you know, palpation and soft tissue and joint mobilizations and manual to kind of have that as a safety net. So say someone, a patient comes in, they've got some pretty unique symptoms. It doesn't seem to fit your normal categories and your, your brain's kind of spinning. As you go through the evaluation, you've tried your normal routine, and then you get to the point where like, I'm not so sure like what's going on. Then there's always, there's always palpation. There's always putting your hands on the person and doing soft tissue. Um, but I think it's, it's a powerful thing to put your hands on people, but it shouldn't be a safety net. So it shouldn't be if I'm out of answers for this person, mm -hmm. I'm gonna still act like I have answers and I'm just gonna start like massaging where it hurts. And I think that's kind of what happens a lot. And then the next time it comes in, the, the person comes in, like, yeah, it felt pretty good. Like you, you dug in there, it feels a little bit better. And you're like, all right, well, I'll keep doing more of that. But you never really turn on that critical thinking like, all right, well, well, why is it hurting there in the first place? And so I think it can be there as a safety net. And I think what I love about remote sessions and telehealth is you don't have that. That safety net, if, that's, if you're viewing manual as a safety net of, if I get in a, if I get in a bind, I have it there. You don't have that with the remote session. So it just, it kind of takes that option away. And I think it puts us in a, in a position where I really have to understand one, I have to get a good history of the person and kind of connect to them. I have to, all those other skills that we have as PTs and we should have, you, those are kind of accentuated a little bit. And so take a good history, talk to them, kind of know where they're at, and then actually know how to assess their movement, know which positions to put them in that it kind of exposed some of those things that we need to work on. And so that's kind of been the, the invaluable thing. And obviously, the more you do it, the better you get at it. But I think that's, that's one, that's the first big thing is that and then the second would be just kind of realizing we're not, we're not technicians. So mm -hmm you know, we're, we're going through things with, with a person in front of us and we're not just, I'm here just to do your joint mobilizations and your soft tissue and your dry needling. 
and then someone else can do all the rest of it. I just feel like that kind of shortchanges what we went to school and went into all this student loan debt to do is we're not, we're, we're practitioners. We, we provide solutions and guidance and, and reassurance and things like that. And I think when you have someone on a screen across from you, they're, they're looking to you for, you know, what can you tell me about what's going on? Give me some guidance. I'm talking to a professional like this already kind of gives me some reassurance. Those are, those are skills that we have. And I think we need to highlight. And so not, I'm not saying that the manual is not, not important. I think it is, but I think it's helpful to have those remote sessions to kind of make sure you're honing in on those other skills that are equally as important. Yeah, that's really awesome. And um, I think it's a great perspective and very important. You know, I think that, you know, in our clinic, we're, we've been heavily manual just, I mean, I started as a massage therapist and everyone told me, well, I've seen a bunch of PTs and surgeons and they didn't ever touch me where I hurt. I'm like, we're always going to touch people where they hurt just to even at least give them the confidence we can do that. And I've helped so many people around the country, friends, family members, et cetera, just by talking to them over the years. A lot of my eBooks and videos were made because of that. And in the last few weeks, you know, it's become apparent to us and, and, and Caitlin, who's our physical therapist, that there is a whole lot more that we do. And I've known this, but there's a whole lot more that we do and we can do and be effective in doing um, education, problem solving, encouragement. It's like almost like people can get a lot of the other stuff in a box at REI or Walgreens, right? You know, like exactly. you can get a roller or a ball anywhere, but it's where to use it, how to use it and, and to understand what's next. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, like that's, I think there is a huge value of if there, if you have someone in person, you need to put your hands on them. You need to, it, you know, it kind of is, is part of the whole, the whole experience really is you need to put your hands on somebody. And, and again, for that reason, like it kind of shows like I'm listening, I'm paying attention to what you've told me. You yeah. told me this is where it hurts. We're going to find those things out. But I think it's just, it's a matter of, of looking at, we, we do have a lot of a lot of things to offer. And I think that's kind of a, you know, when I think people are a little bit scared to do remote, I think it comes from a little bit of that mindset, like, you know, manuals, what I have to offer. That's what, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's kind of, they think that's, that's what separates me from anyone else is I can put my hands on people and do joint mobs. Yeah, that's, that's true. But yeah, like, let's think, let's think bigger about our profession too. Yeah. When someone contacts you and you're like, Hey, we're going to do it on video or we're going to do this over the phone. And they're like, oh, well, don't I need to come and see you? Or don't I need to, you know, how do you kind of handle that? Or, or, or people not even objecting to those things? So pre-COVID-19, that, that, I got a little bit more objections to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they, it was a little bit of, I don't, I don't know if it's just kind of my situation too. So a lot of people that would reach out about doing a remote session have found me on Instagram. And if they're not, you know, within driving distance, they kind of probably assume that that's going to be part of part of the deal is they're going right. to you know have to do something remote. And so I think some of those people, if they were a lead from Instagram, were kind of already expecting that. But I think the big thing is I kind of just walk through through the process a little bit. And so I think that's such a big thing. I think we and I don't, I'm just speaking again from kind of what I used to do and what I've observed is sometimes we assume that people know what PT is going to be like mm-hmm. or what the experience and what working with us entails. And I think most people don't. So kind of, that's really what I do is I explain, well, first of all, I ask them a lot of questions and I get them to tell me what's going on. I know about them. I know their pain points and what they want to work on. And then we talk, I basically kind of walk them through the process. This is step one. We've got to really get a base of, I need to see you move. I need to see 
some of those underlying issues? What are those root causes of what's going on? And I kind of just reassure them, like, the main goal of this is we're trying to find the actual issue and not just manage your symptoms. We're trying to get to the, the main issue. I'm going to help you understand what's going on with your body and get to a point where you don't necessarily always need to come see me anytime something happens. I want to give you some tools to have in your tool belt for, for kind of independence and longevity too. Yeah, that's awesome. What kind of techniques and strategies like clinical strategies are you using over video and, you know, and, and by the way, are you doing phone or video? Like, are you doing a little both? I probably should ask that. So I try to I try to do video for for everyone, and so for the most part, I've been using uh, this platform Zoom to do mm -hmm. most of those those yeah. calls. So let's say you get in, you, you've evaluated your patient. They're like, "Yeah, Adam, let's let's do some sessions." What kind of um, treatment strategies are you using? What kind of techniques? You know, I mean, like you can't reach through the the, the, the thing. You know, like how are you getting them if they have, especially if they have a mobility problem? What, how are how does that go in one of your sessions? Yeah. So the first, usually the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes were, so I usually have them send me a lot of information on the front end so that when mm -hmm. you are on the call, I can kind of just focus my questions in it and fill in the gaps. So about 15 minutes, we're talking and just kind of seeing face to face, building some rapport. And then, you know, that next, you know, 20 or so minutes, we're going through some specific, based on what they told me, some specific kind of movement assessments. So I'm having them, I'm kind of telling them, that's where I want you to face the camera. Um, I would get in this position. A lot of times I'll, I'll demonstrate the same thing. And so then I get them to kind of verbally communicate what they're feeling and I can see those things. And so just basically visually, I can get an idea of what's going on with them. Um, and from there, there's going to be a few things that I, that I want us, that I know they're going to be in the plan, just kind of what I saw. And I, and I kind of get an idea of what they have there. And I want to walk them through some of those more technical movements. Mm -hmm. And so I do spend some time going through, this is what we're focusing on. This is what I want you to feel. This is what I don't want you to feel. This is the goal of that. And so some of those more intricate movements I go over on the call. Yeah. And then a lot of the work goes into, I send them pretty detailed explanations and programs of what I want them to do between calls. And so that's kind of, I, they, they know up front, I'm giving you guidance. Like we go over this call, I'm showing you, this is where we need to work on. This is what we need to work on to get to the bottom of your issue. And I'm going to send you exactly what I want you to do and kind of make sure they know this is, there's, there's some work that's involved on their end. Yeah. They, they need to be consistent in order to see results with it. Right. Let's say someone's got like the lat mobility issue. Are you having them like, Hey, make sure you got a roller or some kind of ball or something like that with you on. And I'm going to teach you how to use it or show you where to use it. Is that kind of stuff you're doing too? Yeah. So, so typically, so we'll take a lat mobility issue first. So if it's a lat mobility issue, I will, some people I'll use a foam roller. And I, I usually kind of go through a sequence. So I usually do, mm -hmm. if I do have a more targeted, like kind of passive intervention, it's passive intervention, like a static stretch or a, or a foam roller or lacrosse ball. I usually start with those and then I'll progress to a little bit more of an active mobility movement. Mm -hmm. And then we'll progress to more kind of strength training movements. So, you know, not it's strength training movement is going to look different for everyone else, but yeah. I kind of usually use that same sequence of more of a passive movement, more active movement, and then more of a training strength movement and just kind of go through that process. Right. Right. Awesome. That's awesome. What are some of the things that you've run into using video that like have made it just not work? <laughs> Whether it's like people not knowing how to use the internet, like just common things, pitfalls, or, you know, certain maybe conditions. It's just like, I can't help you or this isn't working. Like, 
Yeah, I think that's, um, well, you know, it hasn't happened a lot, but if it, it can be frustrating with the internet, if the internet's yeah. choppy and like with Zoom, if, you know, someone's going through emotion and then those, the audio and vi- video or audio and voice cuts out, it's real choppy. It can kind of get you flustered a little bit because you feel like, all right, well, I need you to do that again. Uh, what'd you say? And it, and it can kind of like throw off your vibe a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, outside of technical issues, um, some, I think the, the big thing it's exposed is you have to really be able to verbalize, you know, what you're, what you're looking for and what you want from them. Mm-hmm. Just because you're not there and you can't just like say, you know, touch their shoulder blade and, and upwardly rotate. So I think that's, that's a big thing that, you know, you have to make sure your verbal skills are, are zoned yeah. in there. And then the other would be, I guess, in cases where it wouldn't work would be more, I guess, acute issues. So I'm thinking not necessarily acute, but more uh, post-op issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's, it's kind of hard to go, a, you know, if you're having to do passive range of motion on a joint, like, right. you know, that's a tough thing to do remote and virtual. And so I can't really provide much insight on that because most of the people I work with, that's not really my, my population. Most of my people are pretty active and it's, you know, mobility, strength, you know, specific training issues mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. And so I haven't really encountered that much, but that would be a, a roadblock where I would say, well, maybe we explore some different avenues right. there if right. that's your situation. It's hard to self-immobilize a shoulder when one's immobile. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly. And the last patient I had that had like a total hip replacement, this was about five or six years ago. I was like, oh, he's in the hospital. Let me go visit him. And I showed up and they're like, he's already been discharged. I'm like, what? He was in for like less than 18 hours. I was like, holy cow. Okay. You know, like there's a lot of... Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's not my patient population either, but that, yeah, that is a very different kind of setup, but I can see where, where, um, even just being there to be, you know, a console, you know, have a consult here and there, but you know, it's not my patient population either because people think PT is post-surgical rehab. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the technical, like you follow the technical, you go to the PT, everyone goes to the PT that does that technical service and they kind of come to see us when they get back and they're like, wait a minute, something's still not right. Is that yeah. kind of the same type of person you see? They're like, I've had this, it's been a year or so or more, if it's something's still not right, I can't do my lift and you know, all these things, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty um, right on, which, which yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people say. And a lot of people have, you know, especially I see a lot of shoulders and a lot of people are like, yeah, I had a labrum repair, you know, four years ago and it's just never been the same, you yeah. know? And it's like, you know, I think part of the issue is as people rush into those elective orthopedic surgeries when maybe it was the right decision, maybe it wasn't. So sometimes they're cleaning up some messes there. But yeah, a lot of people have told me I've, I've done this, I've gone through this procedure, this, this operation and something's still off. Sometimes that makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Is there a certain like phrase or thing that patients say and you just hear it over and over again? You're just like, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to bang my head against the wall. You know, like, is there anything that you hear on a, on a continual basis that you wish you could change? Yeah, honestly, I think the big thing is when people, so if I'm talking to somebody and, you know, I'm kind of asking questions about, let's say it's like a, a, a low back issue and they're having some numbness or tingling down mm-hmm. the leg, um, any kind of ridiculous symptoms, just kind of almost assuming I need to go to see the orthopedist or I need to see the orthopedic surgeon, I need to have an MRI when there's literally all the evidence points to that's not where you need to go first. And so I think it's, it's almost this understanding of, I need, I need to know what's, I hear this a lot. I need to know what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. And so, 
it, and it's it's always a, an interesting conversation because one you don't want to you don't want to discredit that like that's a that's a real emotion that's a real feeling and it doesn't come from a place of I don't I don't trust you it's more of I have a pain and I'm looking for a solution and this is the solution that makes sense as I get a picture taken of the inside of my body and it finds that one whatever it is that's causing me this pain but we kind of know as physical therapists it's never it's never that straightforward. And likely you're going to find something that's been there for eight years and your pain started yesterday. And they're going to say that's, that caused your pain. Right. But for the last seven and three quarters years, it didn't. <laughs> so, and you know, and then, and then you get pushed in that's there. I see it. We need yeah. to do surgery. And you may have had a, you may have had a surgery that you didn't need. And right. so I think that, that makes me bang my head against the wall a little bit, but it's also the reason why I put out so much information on social media is to put it out there of, this is not your only option. If you're having this pain, there are, in, in this field of physical therapy, there's a lot we can do. Like it's, it's actually research proves it's the best first route is conservative care. And so, right. yeah. Yeah. Do you think like, you think that's the number one thing we can do about it is to put that message out through like our social media channels and YouTube and all those other places or anything else we should be doing? Yeah, no, I've, I've thought about this and I think, I guess, and, and, you know, other people may have a different opinion and, and you may have a different opinion, but I think for a long time, the solution was always, we need to go kind of prove value to the surgeons or the mm -hmm. orthopedist or whoever the, the MD is. And I've never really been hundred percent on board with that. I've always kind of been on the, the side of, I think what would create real change and make PT the, the first, the, you know, the get PT first movement that to kind of give that some legs is to start to go to the public where we make it known. We advertise that we are the first option we have results and you don't need to go to surgery and, and that sort of thing. I think getting the word out, you know, whether that whatever your platform choice is getting the word out that we can intervene that way and you don't have to go this one route. I think that's kind of where the change is. And I think we have enough people if they do go to the orthopedic surgeon, they say, well, there's a PT that's gotten a lot of people a good results without surgery. And then they keep, and then every, you know, every other patient that comes in with that similar is issue is recommending themselves PT. I think that's kind of when there's going to be a paradigm shift. I think mm -hmm. until then it's going to be status quo because you come in, you got a disc bulge, you're getting surgery, you know, like that's kind of the, yeah. It's going to be hard to break that unless the patients themselves are coming in and kind of disrupting that. Yeah, I'm, I want, um, I haven't set a timeline on this, but 20, what's today, 2020? By 2030, people should be saying, I know I need to see a PT to know exactly what's going on. Like, I mean, I, I completely agree with what you said. And I think that it's something that we have to get in front of patients and change their mindset over time that they need to, they know, they need, they need to go, I know I need to see PT to know what's going on, which is, what's interesting is 20 years ago when I was a massage therapist in California, people would say to me, Aaron, I know I need to see, when I tweak my back, I know I need to go see my massage therapist. Cause at that time, PTs didn't have direct access to me. Didn't until a few years ago. I had a couple people say that to me. I was like, wow. Okay. You know, that was, you know, Bay yeah. area. I'm like, I want people here in North Carolina to know I need to go see Dr. Lauer, Dr. McCluskey, or just a PT to know exactly what's going on. Screw this other stuff. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, yeah, no, I think that's a good, that's a, it's a good goal for us. And, you know, I think that's, there's always this tension in our field of, we want, we want this, you know, we want the, t you know, to people to respect the title of, of doctor and we want all these, you know, things that come with it. But I think that's kind of how it gets there is mm -hmm. 
people recognize the value. And I think that's, that's what I love about having my own business and, and entrepreneurship is, you know, the value, whatever value you can provide and display, you know, that's, that's what you get. It's not based on anything else. If you can provide value, then people will come see you. That's so awesome. What, um, what other question didn't I ask you that you think would be helpful for our audience? I think, uh, I think just, you know, and we're both, we both do a lot with, you know, trying to, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, email, those sorts of things. I think if anyone is kind of on the fence of thinking is social media, is that stuff, is that a a kind of a phase? Is that just, is it going to just die out and it'll be, you know, another thing in, in five years? I think one thing I've realized it's been pretty impactful and I guess kind of eye opening for me is that people are searching for healthcare options on those platforms, you know, whether they know it or not, that's, I think the days of, I, you know, I'm going to my primary care and they send me to this PT place and no questions asked, I go there and whatever they do, I listen. And if it's good, bad, I don't know how to discern. I think those days are coming to an end. And I think people are shopping for healthcare on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever platform it is, whatever online, I think that's kind of where people are, are taking more ownership of their own healthcare and finding answers for themselves. And so mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, encouragement would be put yourself in those places where people are searching. Um, if you believe that you can make change with that population, put yourself there and put value into it. And then people will find it. You know, that's kind of, I think that was an eye-opening thing is people are actively searching for healthcare options on social media. It's easy to think it's just a place where people post cat videos and things right. like that. But, you know, like there's, there's a lot of people that really are searching for, for answers to real problems on social media. And so I think it's, uh, it's been pretty cool to kind of be in that place and right. be able to help people through it. That's awesome. Have you checked out TikTok yet? <laughs> so I, first of all, no, I haven't. I, I think it's a cool idea. I'm, um, and I'm not like opposed to it. There's just, uh, it's more of a capacity thing for right. me, I think at this point. So, and I, you know, and it's one of those things, if I got on it now, I'd probably end up just watching videos for two hours and um, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe not. It's funny. It. Like I've done like five or six videos. The first one I did where I messed it up and just published it anyways, has gotten the most views. All the other ones I've tried to plan out with my kids, even like 200, I'm like, whatever, I don't, I'm, I'm too old for this. I'll, I'll move there. Like, I don't, but it's like the next upcoming yeah. platform, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be huge. That's awesome. Adam, well, if someone wants to find you, I know um, you're mostly on Instagram. Where do they find you on Instagram? What, what would be your website if they want to go check out what you're doing? Yeah. So pretty much everything is going to be under the name of the PT initiative. So on Instagram, if you look up the PT initiative, that's where I post most of my content. So there's a lot of free stuff on there. My website is the PT initiative.com. And so that's where I kind of have all of my, if you're interested in some programs and some things that I've designed you know, just to help you out with, you know, knee issues, shoulder issues, back issues, many training programs like that can be found on my website, the PT initiative.com. So those are kind of my two primary areas where I hang out. And so go check me out at one of those, you know, jump on the email list. I'm, you know, I'm sending out some, some more, you know, newsletters and updates and things like that now. So yeah, just shoot me awesome. a message and shoot me a DM or an email if you listened and say, Hey, and we'll talk. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, if you guys are uh, interested, listening, whatever, go check out Adam at the PT Initiative. Follow him. And uh, if you got anything from this show, make sure you like snap a little screenshot and uh, shout us out on your Instagram, your story. But if you're not on Instagram 
or I mean, you're probably on Facebook. If you're not on Instagram, go get on Instagram and make sure that you let everyone know what you're doing, who you are, so that they think PT is the best first option. That's, that's the goal, right? <laughs> that's it. I love it. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next show. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And when you get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.